HLSJS is a JavaScript library that plays HLS in browsers with support for MSE. Big Sur was coming out, but that for me was also a milestone of like, we want to drop HLSJS v1 with LHLS at the same time Apple drops their update. I couldn't do it. It was, you know, it was tough uh, getting things in over the summer, but hearing, you know, at DMUX, like in every other talk, someone was like, yeah, so I threw this together with HLSJS. Like, that was awesome. It, it really encouraged me and uh, kept me going. I'm Matt, the organizer of the SF Video Technology Meetup and the Demux Conference. And I'm Steve, creator of VideoJS, the open source video player. And I'm Phil, streaming specialist at Mux in London and organizer of the London Video Technology Meetup. And you're listening to Demuxed, a podcast for and by engineers working with video. Demuxed is brought to you by HeavyBit, a program dedicated to helping startups take their developer products to market. For more information, visit heavybit.com. We're always looking for topics, so if you have any suggestions or just want to tell us how wrong we are, you can find us on Twitter at Demuxed. Hey everybody, welcome to the first Demuxed episode, or at least the first Demuxed recording of 2021. It's been a hot minute since our last episode. I think the last one dropped for Phil's birthday, actually, Yep. in October of 2020, either right around Demuxed or right after, but... It was the day before Demux, I think. Oh, that's right. I seem to remember it's right. day before because we lent into that a bit. So if you missed it, that was the low latency, real time conversation with Quinn Quindla from Daily. Who, congratulations, they just announced their Series A, I think. Yep. In the last few weeks, and some cool new products. So if you haven't checked that episode out, check it out. It's great. But yeah, so we're we're trying our best to actually be. We say this. I think we've said this like every year, but this every year, year, this year is going to happen for real. Starting in Q two of twenty twenty one, where we're going to try to be a little bit more consistent and get get folks on and, and have more conversations. So if you know anybody that would want to join the podcast or somebody that you think we should reach out to and talk to, reach out info at demux or just ping any of us on video dev. That's video dev dot org or Twitter or. Snail mail. We take snail mail. Carrier pigeon. Okay. Does that mean we have a PO box that people can send us things to? I shouldn't have said snail mail. <laughs> I'm not accepting your mail. So speaking of Demux 2020, Demux 2021. So we we do have dates. That's the week of October 4th. So we'll probably do something similar to last year, where it's either three days more in the morning um, or go back to the two-day platform. We're still, as you can hear, being a little bit... We're keeping our options a little open now while we wait and see a little bit more how vaccinations continue to roll out. We're really, really, really hopeful, given how well things have been going here for the last month or two with numbers and vaccination numbers that we can at least get domestic folks in for a sizable event in October, which would be really exciting. And then if it's still weird around international travel, then we still want to make sure that international friends can join and you know really lean into having a, a great hybrid experience with a couple remote speakers and whatever else that means. But we're encouraging right now that we'll be able to do something in person and then you know, maybe something hybrid, or if we need to, and things kind of, heaven forbid, take a different direction, then we'll have the same great experience last year we did online. But either way, that will happen the week of October 4th. So keep an eye out. Just go ahead and clear your schedule that week. <laughs> you know, put OO on the calendar, whatever you need to do. But in the meantime, before then, as you know, last year was supposed to be the first time we were running Demux Europe. So Phil had done an amazing job of 
you know, putting together a slate of sponsors and we had a call for papers out and we were really excited about all this stuff. And then that was supposed to be in March, right? No, April? April, I think, yeah. Yeah, and then, you know, something happened and we weren't able to do it. So this year, still not quite there as you can, you know, we might be okay by the end of the year, but right now is not the time. So obviously this year it's also not going to happen. However, Jeremy from Sydney Video Technology is doing the same thing he did last year and we're organizing, or there's very little we except for as a local organizers on Phil and I's part. I think all we technically did was give him a stream key at this point. <laughs> yes, well, we did that excellently, might I add. So he he's putting together a global video tech meetup. So it's a 24-hour mega meetup where he's got meetup organizers from all of the other meetups around the world taking an hour to present during their time zone so that we can have a full 24-hour meetup. It's going to be on... May 27th. Uh, so if you're interested in speaking at it, uh, it differs from meetup to meetup, but a lot of people like to just pre-record and then do a Q&A after or just do all pre-records or just do it live on Zoom or something. So the organizers themselves can help you out individually, but just remember last Thursday of May. So yeah, any other high points I'm missing there, Phil? No, what an exciting end of the year it's looking like, though. I know, right? NAB, IBC, Demuxed, like, I'm so excited. So excited to see people in person. This is when we have a travel ban and UK can't go anywhere, obviously. But you know, <laughs> I just I'm worried about NAB being early in that list of events in Vegas <laughs> after like nearly two years of no human interaction. It's gonna get messy. <laughs> really is. My dice skills are gonna be rusty, is the real problem there. That's true. That's true. Your craps will be crappy, one might say. <laughs> I didn't know where you were going to take that. <laughs> and I'm, I'm glad that that went like a better direction than I thought that was going to go. But uh, cool. So, anyway, looking forward to seeing hopefully many of you at the end of the year and hopefully in person. So, anyway, this episode, we were lucky enough to get Rob from JW Player and the HLSJS project coming in to talk about coming close to hitting 1.0. And we've been through a bunch of release candidates and I think I downloaded an RC with like seven numbers after it the other day. So tons of work going into that thing. A bunch of amazing, exciting features right in the pipeline. And um, so yeah, we wanted to get Rob on to talk about what are some of those exciting new things, where the project is, and yeah, just life, liberty, pursuit of open source stuff, whatever else we want to talk about today. But anyway, thanks for joining, Rob. Do you want to give like a high-level overview of either yourself or HLSJS or both? Sure, Matt. Thanks. So I work on the web player team at JW Player. I've been there since 2013. It's my first job in video, and uh, my background is, I like to say, in interactive media, meaning I guess I just kind of knew Adobe and Macromedia mm -hmm. products well <laughs> prior to really working on web video. But what was good about that is I was exposed to video in different ways um, in QuickTime and getting QuickTime to, to sync with other... Uh, interactive uh, applications, same deal with Flash, and, and that converted uh, pretty well over in 2013 when, you know, Flash was on its way out, but it was still carrying a lot of the load for a lot of browsers. And uh, based out in New York City, where JW Player is, and uh, I don't know what else there is to, to tell there. <laughs> I think that's, yeah, that's a solid start. Jumping into like what is HLSJS and how did that project like what are the origins of the project? Can you give us a little detail there? Sure. 
HLSJS is a JavaScript library that plays HLS in browsers with support for MSE. The project was created by Guillaume du Pontavis in 2015. And there's there's a lot of background there. I'm not sure how much is good to to talk about because, like as I mentioned, I was working on a, a Flash HLS player for JW Player, and they had it sort of open to the public, not necessarily open source. And Guillaume had a, a Flash LS player based on that, and I think JW Player didn't like him doing consulting work with it. And the good thing that came out of all of that, though, is I think that that helped uh, spur him to create a JavaScript-based HLS player, HLSJS. I think he created it while he was at Dailymotion, or at least was maintaining it while at Dailymotion. And it really took off in terms of an, an easy-to-use, performant HLS solution for browsers that didn't support HLS playback natively in HTML5 video tag, but that did have MSC support. And for me at that time, like 2015, 16, uh, we were trying to build our own at JW Player. We didn't do a port of our Flash HLS player. We built something new. It had a, a code name Caterpillar because, like, the little pieces of the Caterpillar were like segments of media. <laughs> but ultimately, uh, it had some flaws in terms of like yielding too much in the browser, right? So, like, everything was async. It yielded so much in between, like, getting a sample of something and trying to transcode it and then appending it to the buffer that other things would get in the way. The page would load. JavaScript running on the page because you just moved your mouse or whatever, and other bugs, right? And uh, at the time, Jerome, the JW between, behind JW Player, Jerome was like, uh, just use HLSJS. Like, it's really fast. Like, just use it. So after saying no to that, like, five times, it just <laughs> kind of gave up. There was too many other things to do. I think we were, I don't remember if it was, yeah, I think we were trying to get JW Player 8 out at the time. And John Bartos, I think, had just started at JW Player. And we're like, let's give this to John. He's kind of getting the hang of things and, <laughs> and uh, pretty good, right? He can make this new, we call them providers, like video adapter that could uh, see HLS and then you know wrap HLSJS to handle it in our player. And he did. And eventually started to maintain the project as well, which is pretty cool. So. Now I'll say I remember when HLS JS came out. I remember having like Skype calls with Guillaume and like even met up with him at IBC like years and years ago. And uh, I yeah, I really appreciated what he was doing with it because it was like just this nice focused project. Like mm-hmm. when you're looking at something like a web player, like sometimes it's hard to think about like what is the right place to kind of break off a solid like module of this thing and just focus on this and open it up to everybody else to contribute to, right? And um, I just really appreciated like the focus of that project and like uh, how clear it was and how open it was. Yeah, it fit in perfectly for us too in the model of needing different providers or, or different modules, adapters for types of media. So it's an MP4, we have something that just handles, you know, video source equals, you know, this URL. But if we know that is type supported or whatever test it is in the browser says, doesn't say probably, if the browser says it can't handle it, we're going to have to handle it some other way. And uh, yeah, we're mostly dealing with HLS streams and, and HLSJS was like, that was a perfect solution. And at the same time, we were looking at doing Dash with either Dash.js or uh, Shaka Player. You know, it's not every day that like the something.js solves all your problems. Video.js probably does most days, but we couldn't do that either, so yeah, <laughs> for obvious reasons. So uh, it, it's nice. I think um, 
there's a lot to say about what HLS is and what its purpose is related to that, right? It'd be great to, to have Guillaume and John even on the show and, and get their take on it. But for me, uh, the goal of HLSJS was always to play HLS streams in the browser as well as Safari does. So in other words, when you're not in Safari and you want to play an HLS stream, if you use HLSJS, it should be able to play the same streams that Safari can play just as well. But on top of that, it's really configurable. Like you can set up how much you want to buffer ahead or how much of the back buffer you want to clear. Um, there's so many settings. It's extensible. You can replace parts of it if you want to. So if you want to use your own ABR algorithm, you kind of have to replace the whole module that handles ABR, but you can do that. And it's pretty transparent in terms of giving you access to what's in the stream or what at least the player is parsing from the stream. Um, not just metadata, but like all the details from the manifest, how performant loading is and, and all the events of everything happening. So there it goes kind of overboard compared to Safari. But where we can say yes or no to whether we should fix a stream issue is like, does it work in Safari? Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned like Safari as the bar because I think you know a lot of people who've worked with HLS and Safari actually have had bad experiences in some ways, right? And so I think what is a big value of doing HLS, let's say manually in the browser, is that sometimes you as the person building the player actually knows better about what the audience needs than the browser is expecting, mm -hmm. right? And so like having everything in a black box underneath the browser is not always like going to create the best option. Yeah, I think it's also worth like, Taking a quick step back and talking about what is actually happening here in HLSJS because like it's gotten better in recent years, but that shit is cray. <laughs> like when you think about it on a, on a basic level, what's happening here is this JavaScript library is grabbing manifests, parsing the manifest, making decisions around which child manifest to use, grabbing the child manifest, parsing that, grabbing each, downloading the segment, parsing the segment in JavaScript, and like especially. Correct me if I'm wrong, Rob, but I assume this has gotten much better in FMP4 world. But especially when like we're talking the earliest days of this project, it's grabbing that segment, that TS segment in JavaScript, converting it into a fragmented MP4 so that it can shove it into an MSE buffer. Which, like, honestly, that's the kind of thing where like I remember when that process was first pitched to me as a thing we should do, just being like <laughs> both like yes and also aghast, like you're gonna do what in JavaScript? And it's really incredible. Yeah, I think everybody asks, like, why would you do that? And then it's like, well, broadcast, MPEG-2, duh. <laughs> <laughs> Still not, don't get it. That's also like, you're a web developer. Like, why don't we use JSON? Like, well, come on. Like, <laughs> got to use XML or weird playlists and stuff. Like, broadcasts. Okay, you want to do ads? Scuddy, man, it's the way. Like, no. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so I have a lot of <laughs> feelings, opinions, thoughts about, like, and pick two TS and fragments to be four and CMath and and kind of where things were and where they're going right like the standard was when I got started the you'd had the TS segments and they would be like the standard was like ten seconds long like the duration of these things is a big deal and they've only been getting smaller in general and that but that's like a decision of folks creating streams and how, you know what kind of latency they want or performance and. You know, so we're being forced to use really small segments with these parts, I'm sure, which we'll get to, the, the LL parts. But even without that, you know, as a maintainer looking at issues, you'll, you'll have someone in HLS going, I've got one second segments and the stream is going crazy. <laughs> like there's so much stuff. In, well, they don't like complain about all the stuff in the network panel, except for the <laughs> times it errors or, or whatever. But 
I definitely would have always pushed back on anyone trying to do two second segments, you know, at a certain point in time. Like, that's crazy. You don't want to do that. And that was even like one of the reasons for being of Dash, right? It was like, with Dash, two second segments, you can do that. It's going to be faster than HLSJS or HLS. But yeah, you can do that now with HLS. But um, at a certain point, you lose some of the efficiency of how a player tries to offload that transmuxing. So it does exactly what you said, Matt, but it'll also take the data that it loads pass it off to a worker, which can then do that transmuxing in, in sort of another thread, right? Or off the main thread for JavaScript so that the page can still be responsive. And then it has to give the data back to uh, the main thread to be appended to MSE to actually be buffered um, once it's been turned into MP4. And uh, I guess, yeah, there maybe there's less work with FMP4, but there's a kind of a couple things going on. Like, it's not as passed through as some folks would make you believe. Like, I've heard a lot of excuse, like things being said like, well, you know, with CMath, for example, like it's really sticking to a certain specification of fragmented MP4. The browser gets it. The JavaScript just passes it to the browser. Hey, no must, no fuss. But players kind of need to know or want to verify, at least HLSJS wants to verify the media's actual duration, mm-hmm. like for each track, audio and video. And so there's some unboxing of the MP4 going on. Um, you might also want to unbox the codecs, which are kind of tricky to do. HLSJS just gets the codec type. Like it'll get the first, like, oh, this is AVC1. But that's it. It doesn't get the rest of like the little profile and level data after that. And if you don't know that, if that wasn't delivered in the manifest correctly, you're going to have problems when you try to initialize your source buffers and start buffering. And so that's just like one example of like a little thing I, I see go wrong with people's streams, uh, especially since they might not have the the main manifest. They might just give us the playlist, and so you kind of have to guess or parse out a codec, and then. The TS segments are most of the time going to be muxed. You're going to have audio and video elementary streams in a single playlist. That's rarer or harder to do with fragments in MP4. And so you're almost always, and especially with CMAF, I think it's defined that you have to have separate audio and video. So now you're dealing with twice as many playlists, twice as many segments. You've got to align the two, which is easy in VOD, but not always that easy in a live stream where you might get the two at a slightly different position, have to parse, again, parsing things because you want to know like the time code that's in there to align them. Do we even do that with FMB4? I, I forget. Like <laughs> PTS, there was PT. We had program timestamps, right? Or is that <laughs> presentation timestamps? Sorry, with uh, MPEG2. Yeah, what are we looking at again with FMB4? I forget. But it- BMDT, base media decode time, right? Is how it puts it on the timeline. I seem to remember. I could be wrong. <laughs> I don't even remember, know off the top of my head what's happening in HLSJS there. So there's plenty of gray areas like that for me that uh, one day we'll get to. <laughs> Things FMP4 was supposed to fix, but really just made the world a bunch more complicated. <laughs> sure. You know, I think we're all going that direction and this project will get better at it. I think there's definitely improvements. I've made with version one. Uh, I'm not going to call any out because uh, maybe some things are worse. But that is one of the things we're going to look at more. Is kind of uh, we feel pretty confident that like TS is solid, but CMF before in smaller, smaller segments, there's still some work to do around just improving performance there, handling, and it's not always just pass through. There's still some work that needs to happen. And actually, by sometimes by like offloading things to a worker, we're creating more work. Or we're recreating that scenario of too many async like yields 
in the browser that maybe don't need to be there anymore. So that same problem I was describing with like the failed HLS project that I worked on, it could be happening as we go to smaller, smaller, take smaller sips of media. There's less of a need to offload it to crunch the data and more of a need to just get it buffered as quickly as possible. And I know that the folks at the media team at Chrome have done a lot of work to handle um, MSE in workers and network requests in workers, and HLS should probably already be doing that at this point. Um, that's definitely one of the things that just haven't got around to, but that's definitely uh, on the list of future enhancements. So you did mention V1 in there, mm-hmm. and we kind of mentioned at the beginning that that's something we ought to talk about. So yeah, like it's been a long time coming. We're coming up on... <laughs> Yeah, I, I love the notion that like 1.0 is when it's supposed to be production ready, and like uh, HLSJS has been in production for. I don't think it's ever been used in production. Actually, that's <laughs> yeah, what, that's what I heard. <laughs> I mean, who would be crazy enough to use it in production? I don't know. Um, so yeah, but we are coming up on a, a V1 of HLSJS here, which is you know I don't think that it's the milestone of it's production ready because I think we can all agree that it's been production ready for quite some time now. But what does that milestone mean to? you and everyone else has been working on it. Right. Oh, so V1 means production ready. Like that was the V0 was kind of we're not confident yet. I I don't <laughs> I don't know. You know, I so at the point where I became maintainer of the project, the project was already going in this direction, right? So I just going back to earlier I mentioned that John Bartos at JW Player was maintaining HLSJS. Um he put forward a spec for uh, low latency HLS, LHLS, the Bartos spec and uh it was getting a lot of momentum, but a lot of folks were saying, well, or a lot of people were in because there's already companies kind of using uh, this chunk transfer style of live streaming on top of HLS. But a lot of people were going, well, Apple hasn't said okay yet. We're trying to get their blessing on this spec. And they came out and said, well, now we have a different idea of how this is going to work. It's called Apple's Loading HLS, LLHLS. And it's quite different, doesn't use chunk transfer. There's parts. And then uh, John famously got off one camel and onto another <laughs> at Will Law's Talk and Demuxed, and essentially, in other words, you know, went to work at, at Twitch and stopped working on the project. So at, at that point, I, I um, you know, it looked like I was going to to pick up maintenance and try to shepherd through, you know, the work until we get to 1.0. So getting to your question, you know, what is 1.0? I think the plan was basically do a conversion to TypeScript for all the code in the project. And that was, you know, three quarters of the way through or more, as well as add low latency in one form or another. We already had the chunk transfer support there and kind of a, a demo mode. And uh, I mean, that was pretty much it. You know, there, there's like whatever else we might fix. Like, you know, there'd be issues coming in and someone might respond like, well, it seems to work in our, you know, version one fork. So that's what it's going to be. I made the decision that we wouldn't support LHLS since the spec kind of no longer has traction, no longer has support. We would add support instead for Apple's LHLS, and that would kind of be the the main project, you know, fix any issues, try to make sure it's a little more performant than the previous release, and call it V1. There's a few more things that, you know, went in feature-wise, some better codec support, looking at some of the MP4 support, trying to improve that. Some more live features, calculating drift and managing latency, controlling playback rate so you can kind of catch up if if you need to. So some things like that related to low latency support. But it did take a long while. That's not just because 
LLHLS is kind of complex. It's made up of a lot of different features. It's also because I had three different forks in my lap that I was working with. So version one was actually based off of JW Player's fork of HLSJS. It had some different um, caption handling features, a couple other little tweaks in there. Uh, There was the kind of current V0, which was pretty production ready. People were using 0.12, whatever it was. And then there was like JW Player's fork that hadn't been updated to V1. There was like a a fork of 0.12 or 14 or 13, whatever it was. What was important for me was not just like, okay, I got to take over what John was doing and get version one out. I have to kind of prove myself as a a maintainer here of the project and show people that I'm supporting their use cases for the version of HLSJS they're using now before just shoving this new new major release down the throat, right? So I had to get rid of (laughs) one of these (laughs) forks. So so basically I did this 0.13 and 0.14 totally messed with you know uh, the mp4 remuxing and got familiar with that that probably took me six months oh and there was this whole pandemic thing 2020 I think is a better way of putting it happened and uh, it wasn't until maybe like just last summer that I started feeling comfortable with where I was taking the previous version of the project and and at that point I had replaced jw players fork with the one that's in open source so jw player was using 0, 13, 0, 14 releases that I was cutting. And I was starting work on LLHLS. And yeah, so now another, you know, I don't know what year later, there's been six release candidates. I just cut the sixth one yesterday. The seven digits that you were seeing might have been like a commit hash or something. I'm, I'm not sure. There's been a lot of those. And, you know, probably went from beta to, to RC a little early. What happened there was uh, just we started getting a lot more feedback after cutting an RC. It's surprising how many more people start to test uh, upgrading players when they see (laughs) we're getting close to a big release. And I think more folks are actually um, rolling out solutions to LLHLS on the the streaming side, Mm -hmm. right? So so that's really cool. Like People are putting it through its paces and uh, I've been responding to issues there and and cutting more RCs than I'd like to. But hopefully by the time people hear this, 1.0 will be out. I think we're really close. I say that there could be 10 new issues I need to triage and <laughs> I'm not in a rush, but I, I do want to make sure it's not just, um, you know, solving what my company's needs. Uh, it really like serves the community well. It is in production today with JW Player. Like the RC5 is in production today with JW Player. It has for a few of the RCs. Um, most of the fixes in these RCs have been around LLHLS support. You know, we pretty much built that feature with two sample streams from Apple and uh, here and there, um, some from Wowza. And uh, so there's a lot more to do there in terms of testing stability and performance. But hopefully with the the sort of use case that's similar to what what Apple is presenting, like one second parts, you should be good. I hope. (laughs) (laughs) So often with the, you know, a major version, there's breaking changes along with it. Are there any major breaking changes to speak to? Sure. I think for the most part, version one doesn't have breaking changes for like a simple setup use case, like set up HLSJS, attach a video tag, and load a URL. That should work exactly the same. Where things start to change a bit are in the configuration options. There's some new ones, some ones that have changed slightly, a couple defaults that have changed, like automatically clearing the back buffer. Um, A lot of smart TV folks wanted that but you can configure it depending on your smart TV. And after that, the, the biggest breaking changes are going to be if you're listening to events, 
and the object structure of those events a little bit in order of certain events. There's some things that change there when we did this refactor to support chunk transfer. Mm. And there is an experiment, I labeled it an experimental feature, right? This one configuration option called progressive was the, the option that would stream bytes from a, a segment progressively. So rather than getting like the whole segment, you could get the chunks and it would append those. That's off by default, but you can turn it on if you still want to play around and make HLS a thing. <laughs> uh, just, you know, don't expect a lot of support from me, uh, you know. I've broken it once or twice in the pre-releases and, and kind of fixed it, but there's just certain situations and streams where like it's not everything's going to work perfectly. So it's, it's experimental and not the good kind of experimental, like we're almost there and going to make it work. It's the like, maybe this is actually deprecated before arrival, but you know, mm. it was a big part of the, the V1 and I thought it was worth kind of keeping in. But yeah, so breaking changes events uh, get pretty touchy. Oh, and the stats for loading. So when you get a loading event, you get this like stats objects that, that say like when something started loading, when it ended loaded, that structure is totally different. So if those metrics are important to you, you'll need to follow the migration guide to just move things over. Are you taking notes here, Hef? Or, uh... Yeah, I was going to say, good to know. Good to know. <laughs> uh, we made a guide for you and uh, would love feedback on that. It's kind of been a, a running thing, you know, like a lot of this stuff changed over a year ago. And so I haven't made a new app with the old version and migrated it over to the new version to double check everything. Sort of a kitchen sink of, you know, mm-hmm. migration tests. That, that'd be cool, but I, I'd love to. It was, in, it was in the ticket, you know, I was like, let's do this. No, too much work. Um, <laughs> we have a lot of notes, we put them together in a migration guide. And uh, we wish you all luck, but let, let us know if we missed anything. It'll go right into the migration guide and feel free to contribute to it as well. On that note, I would love to hear your thoughts on where where do you see the future of the project? Like, Where do you see HLSJS going? Well, one thing is um, Apple is still updating the HLS spec. We've got some new features coming, so we're, gonna, we're interested in those. Me personally, I would really like to have a little more focus on some broadcast features and features that might be smart for might be good for smart TVs so HDR and, and working with UHD uh, content it would just be fun I, I don't get a chance to do or haven't had much of a chance to do much with that there like I said there is some better support for codec and codec switching like so in, in the old version if you had a stream that had HEVC and h264 HLSJS would either ignore the HEVC altogether or it might even, in Safari, where that codec is supported, HEV supported, it might try to switch between the two but not do it properly. Um, that's sort of supported now. Like You can manually switch between the two, but initially it's going to pick one and it's gonna, the ABR is just going to stick to a certain codec. But maybe in the future, you know, ABR should be a little smarter. It should adapt based on some other principles that it doesn't have now, right? Like which codec is more efficient. I think there's a feature in HLS about prioritizing or giving a score to variants. So mm, we don't we don't use that yeah, yet. Yeah, the new labels. Yeah, um, we're also not using media capabilities in Chrome or other browsers, which I'd really like to do. So preventing a constrained device from you know using 4K if it's not a good idea with the media capabilities API would be really cool. So we have issues. We have a media capabilities label. Um, that we can apply to, to issues. And so there's a couple waiting there. And a big one is 
performance. I mean, I, I wish I could say like all the performance issues have been resolved in version one. It's ready. This is it version one, but there's just tons more to do. So like I was saying, uh, uh, MSC in workers and handling the network in, in workers, there's a lot of refactoring that needs to happen there. So yes, there will be yet another refactor of HLSGS. Maybe that's version two. Maybe it, we get started and it's not that complicated. You know, version one is not the, the end all be all. Hopefully, you know, like I think a lot of other folks would say like, it's a major update, but maybe we'll take these numbers a little less seriously now and or just as seriously as we have, um, and move quicker, right? We'll see. Well, that, that was the whole thing with like a React a while back, right? Because it went from like it's like zero zero fourteen zero fifteen sixteen. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa! Because they just need they were like, look, we've been one from the perspective of like if you're thinking about it, one means like you can be using it in production or one like they're like we've been this way for a while. It's time to just make the jump, mm-hmm. and so yeah. I, I personally see like a big parallel there. Like HLSJS is massively used in production. Like maybe not everybody, but a, like it feels like the most common HLS JavaScript implementation I see in the wild, bar none. And so you know, it's clearly production ready. It's out there. People are using it all the time. And then just this, I'm excited about this one one feeling like the project can kind of put the foot on the gas a little bit more. You know what I mean? Is, yeah. that, is that how it feels to you at all? Like, yeah, going from one one to one 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 dot ten one dot twenty feels like less of a big deal than going from zero dot fourteen to one just because of like the perception. Am I like sure. it remotely on on base? Yeah, I mean everybody has that perception. You can't help it, but but ultimately, major update is about breaking changes being introduced in the API, right, or in the functionality and even user experience. I think would be acceptable, um, and so. If there were a two, it wouldn't just be, you know, something in the guts changing about HLSJS. I think it it might be just another kind of what about the future. Um, maybe there's too many configuration options in HLSJS, or the whole config is too flat, and we need to think about kind of restructuring the API a little bit. Also depends on how things go with this release and the, the migration guide. Like if folks upgrade and they find they're just having a lot of trouble, or we didn't document things as well as we course correct within version one, we might take those lessons and apply them to version two. Right? Like how do we how do we set this up so it's more intuitive for folks to find the the correct path to build their implementation or get at the underlying data in HLS. So I think I think that'll be kind of what drives major updates and a little bit of how often we want to take them on. But there is certainly something about just like cruising in maintenance mode and just making it really as as solid as it can be and seeing if more and more folks will keep using the project. It was really encouraging um, during DMUX 2020 to hear how many people were using HLSJS, and I felt a bit remiss for not trying to even do this kind of talk at, at the conference last year. Um, I hear there's something happening this year. Well, you know, the other thing about, was it October, was like Big Sur was coming out and iOS 14. I don't know if it had just came out or was about to come out, I forget. But that for me was also a milestone of like, we've got to get this done by like, we want to drop HLSJS V1 with LHS at the same time Apple drops their, their update. And I couldn't do it. It was, you know, it was tough uh, getting things in over the summer, Delta playlists and, and part loading and stuff like that. So, 
But, you know, again, like having like really pushed through to try to get it closer, but feel like, man, who even has, you know, these streams and like, mm. who's going to use this? But hearing, you know, at Demux, like in every other talk, someone was like, yeah, so I threw this together with HLSJS or check it out, component video player with HLSJS. Like that was awesome. It, it really encouraged me and uh, kept me going. So we're, we are at time for our session here, but you and I were talking about this in Slack the other day. I wanted to like, Throw it out there for you. What do you? What do you need? What do you want? Like, what are you looking for in terms of, you know, if folks want to help out with a project, get involved, you know, managing, maintaining a large open source project, as Steve Steve can attest to, is a pain <laughs> in the ass sometimes. Um, but it can also be like really rewarding. But you know, what are ways that the community could help and support you, or if people want to get involved? What are the on ramps that you see into the project mm-hmm. for folks that want to start contributing? Yeah. I see you guys as the uh, example of community building. And for myself, uh, it's like not a strong suit. A challenge I have is looking at contributions, PR specifically, trying to give good feedback and, and PR review. But sometimes you see something and you're like, I don't know if this is a good idea. Sometimes you know it's going in the right direction, but you're not so sure about the implementation. Other times I'm just really distracted with some other aspect of the project and I can't really devote the amount of time. Like, like you can't just look at a PR on the surface sometimes and go, the code looks good, so let's just accept it. Like, there's a whole mm. feature underneath that you really need to think about. Like, is this feature being implemented correctly? And, and that can be really difficult. It can take a lot of time just to ramp up to understand the problem. And maybe, you know, I'm sure there's ways to mitigate that or at least help with giving some guidance in PR templates or the contributing guideline in terms of asking folks to really explain why something is important or how to do that ramp up. Just because I've been working on this project for the last year and you know, a video company for however many years, it, it doesn't make me an expert at everything, right? And I, I do have to say no sometimes. But more important than that, I don't want that to turn off people. I want to really grow the community. I, I'd like to to see some other folks you know, be interested in coming on and helping maintain the project, whether it's triaging and answering issues, collaborating on, on future projects. A really, really big one that I feel is like a huge gap in the project as it stands now is our demo and sample streams, our test streams. I'm really jealous of Dash.js and uh, the <laughs> industry forums collection of sample videos that like have like a you know little credit to like, oh, YouTube co- contributed these and um, Wowza contributed these streams. And it's like, oh, what? How come they're not just handing me streams? Like, I, I need a beautiful list of <laughs> streams by feature and by company that an encoder and all this sort of thing. So, if you're listening, throw some streams at me. But, but I think also our demo needs to have a, a little bit nicer of a, a design to make it a, a, a nicer feeling home for said contributions. So, that's something uh, I've been thinking about and hopefully something that's in the future for the project. And I, I think uh, it would be a great way for people to get involved. Awesome. Well, any parting words from y'all, Phil and Steve? This has been great. Appreciate you jumping on, Rob, and chatting through this. No, thanks. This is really exciting. Congratulations on getting to 1.0 production ready. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, guys. Huge congrats. Thanks so much. So, thanks again, Rob. That was awesome. Really looking forward to 1.0. Hopefully, by the time this is released, um, it will be available. Check it out, HLSJS, github.com slash video dash dev slash HLSJS. If you want to get involved, it sounds like there could be some help triaging issues or whatever else that might mean, but I bet 
Rob would more than welcome some help there or test streams. Also, don't forget to start thinking about your Demux talk. Rob, sounds like you should be thinking about a Demux talk. We're probably planning on opening up Call for Papers same as time as usual, early summer-ish, so think. A little earlier than last year. A little earlier than last year, I think. Last year is a little hot. A little, a little earlier hot. than last year, so think like May. Um, end of April, May for when you can start submitting talks, so be thinking about those. Mega meetup in May. Ping us if you want to talk or if you want to speak at another meetup or any of ours. Thanks again, Rob. Thanks everybody for listening and we'll see y'all next time. That's all we have for today. But as always, we'd love to hear what you thought, even if you disagree. So please reach out on Twitter at Demuxed. To learn more about Heavybit, visit heavybit.com. And while you're there, be sure to check out their library. It's packed with amazing talks on sales, marketing, product, and general management from founders of developer tools companies and other industry leaders. 